All right, Long so we'll go uh, in a couple seconds. So just stay in line, and uh, we'll do our thing. Thank you. Hello and welcome into the Computer America Show. We are the nation's longest-running, nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers and technology. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Ben Crossman, and I hope all of you are having a great day. It is Friday. We're all having a good one and ready for the weekend. But, uh, but yeah, so today on the program, a lot of fun. Second part of the show, as usual, will be computer and technology news, where we talk about a number of different stories, including how... Who knew, but the high-speed internet could actually have some downsides. I know everyone wants faster and faster, but it could be one of, uh, one of the growing causes of sleep deprivation. And I don't know what they're talking about. I have great internet speed, and I get a solid three hours of sleep a night. It is wonderful. So I don't know. So we have, uh, we have stories like that. We have stories such as uh, Brookstone, unfortunately, announcing that uh, you know, that's no longer going to have so many sores. Because, you know, Brookstone has been a longtime friend of the show. So always unfortunate to see that. But uh, as I understand it, they're not going away entirely. So still lots of cool gadgets um, and a lot more. So uh, that's in the second part of the program. In the first part, though, as, uh, you know, as we do, we have an interview. But first time talking with this company, looking forward to it. And very, very, very simple website, beautiful.ai will be joining us as we talk all about what they do, how they do it, and we'll be talking with them in just a moment. So a couple of things before we get started, including computeramerica.com. That's where you'll find everything and anything having to do with today's show. So be that the social media contest brought to you by Logitech, the live video stream brought to you by OWC, or uh, you know just articles, links to our guest websites, so much more right there uh, at computeramerica.com. So, again, hopefully everyone out there is doing well and uh, you are ready for another hour of the program. Let's go ahead, bring on our guest, and get this conversation started. So, as I said before, beautiful.ai, tell us all about what they do and, uh, you know, and how they do it, is uh, none other than the CEO and founder of the company, Mr. Mitch Grasso. So, Mitch, welcome on to Computer America. Hopefully you're doing well. All right. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. So, uh, again, thank you for joining us. Let's go ahead and get a bit of a background on uh, Beautiful.ai. Uh, you know, how did you go about finding this? And a bit of your background, were you always in tech? Um, you know, and how did you come up with this idea? Mm-hmm. 
So, and I think that it's uh, not, not really funny, but it's kind of interesting that obviously beautiful AI, uh, artificial intelligence is going to come into this at some point. And the fact that you want to, you know, make something, you know, make a machine learning or something that will help people present data, uh, you know, in a, you know, in a very, uh, I don't want to say automated, but a very simple way. Uh, that's kind of funny that you use artificial intelligence because that was the problem with data and, you know, data to construct artificial intelligence is that you can feed all of this data into an AI or machine learning or whatever, but having it spit out something useful, having, you know, having a million data points and then being able to extract a useful infographic chart, uh, trend, whatever, that was the part that they're still working on with AI in general. So, I, I mean, have how important is visualizing data, you know, today and into the future? Because, hey, you know, if we have data, we're getting more and more data. How important is it to, you know, kind of accurately and conveniently turn it into something that we can understand? Yeah. Okay. Right. I, I, I got you, but clearly the end game is going to be, uh, you know, get people on the platform, use it, and then as, uh, you know, as people use it and you kind of teach your system, the, you know, what what people want out of a certain uh, document, then, you know, I, I will say you, you at least have the brand name to make something that you can uh, eventually spit out a document that looks good and, you know, conveys information well. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, uh going, you know, growing up, I, I remember the first PowerPoint presentation I made was in 4th grade. It was like the year PowerPoint came out and my teacher was blown away because you know, she was still using the overhead projector with the clear sheets and the markers. And I was like, I, I can do this. And she's like, wow, that's amazing. Um, and I will say from fourth grade to now, um, not a lot has changed in, you know, 10, 15 years as far as PowerPoints go. I think there's cooler transitions, but not a lot more else to, uh, to it. Uh, talk about who's going to be using this, uh, you know, using uh, your platform. Is it students? Is it, uh, you know, business professionals, uh, who who are you really targeting the service to? And I, so, as I said, uh, you know, just a second ago, that it really hasn't changed that much. Uh, for anyone out there watching the video portion of the show, we're going through your website. We're going. Uh, I think now we're in sections about how it works. And I'm interested in some of these, you know, kind of smart templates, smart techniques that you, uh, you know, that you utilize because. I think that a lot of people have been there, they design a sheet, they make it look perfectly, and then they're like, all right, I'll just add one little footnote, 
and all of the formatting gets messed up, and then they have to spend another 15 minutes getting it all right again. Uh, you 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 kind of claim that you know uh, your your template is going to know uh, just kind of how to rearrange itself, font, size, picture. Um, talk about some of the smart tools that they'll find uh, when they you know uh, actually how about this? Even better, let's start from a blank screen because that's the dreaded part. People don't know where to start, where to begin. I see you have templates and then talk about uh, some of the adaptive design that you have and then just walk us through creating a presentation. You know, and I've seen, uh, you know, this same, uh, you know, kind of style work in web design where, you know, it used to be able to, you know, kind of go in and get get into the nitty gritty, design everything from scratch. And that led to a lot of websites that, you know, were actually very bare, barren, poorly designed, looked awful uh, because people did have so many options and they didn't know which way to take it. And then came, you know, something like WordPress where they gave you templates and, you know, you can download them. You can start uh, from them. And admittedly, uh, every once in a while, you stumble upon a website with the same template and you're like, hey, they did that too. But it made a lot of people uh, more, I guess, eager or more ready to just kind of do their own project as opposed to saying, eh, I'll just farm this out to someone else or I'll let someone else do this. Have you seen, uh, you know, people who use this kind of say the same thing where it's like I am more uh, like I'm more ready to make a presentation as opposed to, like you said before, just throw up bullet points and just talk someone's ear off. I I completely agree, and that's a and, and like you said, that's a very good thing to hear from people who are looking and you know evaluating the validity of your idea. And speaking of the validity of your idea, how has this kind of caught on? I mean, are you finding because obviously there are a number of software tools out there that mimic what PowerPoint can do. PowerPoint itself is. Uh, you know, for the past 15 years has been an industry standard, you're coming into a place that doesn't, or at least you wouldn't traditionally think would have a much, much elbow room to kind of squeeze in there and start making a name for yourself. How has the adoption been? Mm-hmm. 
No, and and obviously you are still giving people enough tools that they can still get the job that they want done. Like I'm sure that people who are used to you know a, a more uh, a more hands-on approach can still go back and do that. But uh, also speak real quick to the point, um, you know, because uh, another thing with uh, with other document creators is the idea of compatibility or the idea that and it's kind of gone, gone away with cloud services and the idea that you can share documents on the cloud. But when you are finished with the presentation, is this available through your website? Can people download it and put it on a thumb drive? How does one share one of your presentations? Very, very cool. So talk about um, just why presentations. I, I know that uh, it's, it's a bit in your background. Uh, starting new companies, this seemed, uh, you know, kind of right up your alley and comfortable. But, I mean, why presentations? Because there are a lot of, I mean, if you're talking about office tools, um, I think there's still a lot of room out there for, uh, you know, either collaboration tools or tools that, uh, you know, maybe document hosting, file sharing. Uh, Amazon's making a trillion dollars off of hosting just server space. I mean, why did you just decide to go with uh, a presentation tool? Uh, no, makes makes perfect sense. So uh, one thing that we talked uh, or we mentioned, but we didn't talk about, uh, you have your own. Uh, let's see, I think it was like a photo library where people can pull images and uh, and other things out of you know out of a reserve of images that you have. Uh, where do those images come from, and how how I guess how many pictures do you have for people to choose from? Because these are these are resources they're going to choose as they make their presentation. Makes no, it makes perfect sense. So, tell us what some of your favorite features of you know of beautiful AI happen to be. I mean, uh, I'm sure that you have used it uh, probably more than anyone else. What are some of your favorite features when you're using it? I think a lot of what goes into design is, uh, and people are hard to realize this, is that if you just stick with a theme, you your product will come out looking very, very nice. So uh, just doing that automatically, I think, is going to help a lot of people out there, uh, you know, who don't have that, you know, kind of head for design. I know I sure don't, but uh, you know, I've I've learned some basics. So uh, 
we only have like a couple minutes left, so I have two questions for you. The first, uh, we went to the pricing section of your website. Uh, free version, of course. You know, uh, you sign up, make a free account. I'm sure uh, you do it through the website, and uh, that's great. We love, uh, you know, we love free stuff. And then the other one was your pro tier, which, uh, you know, I have a question. Uh, what would be included in the pro tier? Like, what are you hoping to provide in that? And also, you don't have a price listed yet. So when's that coming out? I, I, yeah, I could definitely see having the ability to kind of customize, like, uh, you know, well, let's say uh, you had a couple of uh, companies here that work with you. Let's say pick one at random, uh, Samsung. I, I'm sure that Samsung would really appreciate having like a standard template that Samsung, you know, would have logos and uh, color schemes and things like that just for Samsung. And, uh, you know, so I can see where that goes. Uh, we have like a minute left. So I will go ahead and leave you with one last question. Uh, and I will say, Mitch, what is next for Beautiful AI? And if people want to find out more, where can they go? <laughs> I'm going to – and Mitch, I'm going to have to cut you off there, but everyone, beautiful.ai, we have a link to it in the show notes. And Mitch, uh, thank you for coming on the show, and have a great day. Bye-bye. And welcome back to the Computer America Show. It is 32 minutes past the hour. And, hey, we just finished our interview with Beautiful.ai. Had to end it kind of abruptly, but I think we got all the information we, uh, you know, we need to get out there. And overall, hey, if you want to find out more, beautiful.ai or a link to it at computeramerica.com right there in today's show notes. And also, while I talk and stall with my voice just for a second, we're going to pull up one of our contests. And because, hey, you know, it is, uh, here we go. Yeah, there we go. So because it is Friday and we normally draw a prize from our Logitech contest where we give away an M720 Logitech mouse, well, here we go. Let's go ahead and draw another prize. So we have some music. There we go. That's nice. That's really nice. And by the way, if you want to enter, feel free to go to computeramerica.com right there on the right. And you can find the contest. Very easy to enter multiple ways. And hey, maybe we could be calling your name, who is... I like that. So this week's winner for the contest is none other than... Ben Marshall, man, wrong Ben. I thought I was going to win for once, but nope. Ben Marshall joining, or uh, Ben Marshall listens to us from Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. I didn't even know there was a Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, but uh, Ben Marshall, all they had to do was, uh, was find us on Facebook. And by the way, Hey, it's not too hard. You can do it too. If you want to be next week's Ben. So we have Ben's information. We'll contact them after the show. And, um, yeah, hey, that's uh, just that simple. 
So, uh, again, thank you, Logitech, for helping out with this. And uh, we have a couple more contests coming up here soon. So keep an eye out for that because it's not just the one anymore. We'll be having another here shortly. So with, uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and uh, get into computer and technology news. And by the way, before we do, uh, folks, if you're out there listening and you feel like you want more out of Computer America, well, that's where, uh, hey, that's where twitch.tv forward slash Computer America enters. And if you'd like to watch Computer America, if you'd like to interact with us in the chat room, if you'd like to, oh, I don't know, just, hey, join us for any old reason uh, during the live program, because we are heard live on IRN. But uh, if you want to interact with us, join us at twitch.tv forward slash Computer America and uh, give us a shout out. Say hi. And in the meantime, computer and technology news brought to you by OWC. Here we go. So, uh, oh, and by the way, OWCDigital.com if you'd like to go check out their products, or MaxSales.com if you want to check out uh, you know everything that they do. We just had an interview with Larry, the founder of OWC, about uh, a couple days ago, and yeah, you should definitely give that a listen if you are interested at all at what they have, what they do, what they have to offer, and really, they're just uh, a bunch of Mac, Mac aficionados, but also they have things for PC and Linux. Uh, but you know they just want to provide a good service, a good quality product, and uh, yeah, we're more than happy that they are a sponsor of Computer America. So let's talk about computer technology news. Our first story that we're going to talk about, and I had a couple here I definitely wanted to uh, to get to, but I think the first one we're going to do is you know a little bit unfortunate news, and that's Brookstone. You know, Brookstone was a friend of the show. We talked with, uh, you know, we, we talked with the upper level, uh, you know, with upper level executives all the time. Had them on the show. They were around the holidays, uh, a regular guest, telling us all about what's new, what's different, cool gadgets. And, you know, Brookstone just kind of built that niche of, you know, kind of uh, medium high end gadgets and toys and gizmos that, I think will be sorely missed because now they have announced that they declared bankruptcy. I know, sad news, sad news for everyone. So Brookstone declares bankruptcy after more than 40 years of business and all U.S. stores will be shuttered. So that's a lot of malls that will suddenly have another space open. Man, things are not looking good for the average American retail mall. So they said that the home retail chain, Brookstone, has filed for bankruptcy for the second time since 2014 after more than four decades of business. And barring 35 airport locations, all of its U.S. outlets will be shut down. So obviously it seems like the airport locations were well, uh, you know, were, were well in hand and those get to stick around. But it sounds like all of the ones in the U.S. outlet malls and things like that. Those will be going away. So for many, Brookstone's exit from the shopping scene may be as bittersweet as when the Sharper Image closed the stores in 2008 or Sky Mall's demise several years later. It had a quirky assembly of non-essentials, uh, 3D printing pens, Parrot AR drones, and a gigantic Dance Dance Revolution remote control offered customers a welcome escape from the throes of everyday life 
and to get some obscure gifts. You know, that's what uh, you know. That's what we kind of used it for, where we really used uh, Brookstone as a way to you know kind of shop for Craig because it's kind of hard to shop for the geek who has everything, but a store like Brookstone, obviously, hey. They probably have something that uh, you know that geeks don't have. Also, I think they were like one of the leader leading sales of uh, of massage chairs, and making room for more Starbucks, right? Because uh, you know, hey, people love coffee, but apparently people don't love six thousand dollar massage chairs. So they said that, uh, of course, Brookstone CFO Greg uh, Greg Trebo said. Recent technology shifts in e-commerce triggered data loss, which had a severely damaging impact upon digital sales. So I think that's the main reason that Brookstone is shutting down. It's not that people can't afford what was available at Brookstone. It's not that people didn't care about weird gifts uh, or even just weird items for themselves. But it was more the fact that I think Brookstone was a good place to go in and touch things and try them out. But because they were kind of pricey, you know, because a drone is going to be, uh, you know, a decent investment or a 3d printing pen was going to be a decent investment. You know, it's not a $10 toy from Toys R Us. They would go into Brookstone, they would touch, they would play, they would uh, explore, but then they would go on, you know, they would look at the price and go, there has to be a better price online, or I could probably get this online for cheaper. And it's that shift from retail store to e-commerce, the the same thing that brought Best Buy to its knees, I think is what eventually killed Brookstone, was that you know they, they had good products, they had a good business, it's just people don't buy things in person anymore. They go home and they do their research, like smart uh, consumers. So they said that uh, Brookstone, which now faces a $500 million debt, that's a lot of money, revealed supply chain issues and management turnover also con- contributed to its closure. Hmm. So, all right, take back everything I just said. Seems like the business was also being run eh, kind of flipsy flopsy. So, uh, Brookstone CEO said it was a difficult decision to shut down mall stores, but is still keen to continue operations with a smaller physical pr- footprint. So Brookstone hasn't been completely extinguished from the retail map. You'll just need to seek it out, uh, your novelty products online. So yeah, $500 million in debt and a couple of turnovers. Either way, I think, you know, as they said before, sharper image before it, uh, you know, even before that there was, uh, uh, let's see, it was sharper image before that. And then Sky Mall, the magazine before that, uh, now Brookstone, it's, Again, just kind of the business model that they're doing, you know, the weird gifts, the things that just don't fit into other stores, those are the ones going out of business because you can now buy those things online. It's much cheaper. You don't have to have a warehouse full of, you know, a a lot of expensive products. You can just kind of order them as you need them. And that, that makes sense. I guess the airport locations are staying open because, you know, if you need a neck pillow, I guess Brookstone's probably the best place and they can charge you $60 for a neck pillow. But uh, everyone else, they're gone. They're off. So there you have it, Brookstone, no more. And it's a shame because, like I said, they were a friend of the show. So uh, they're, they're kind of gone. So anyways, 
there's that one. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, <laughs> a sign of the times, something that shouldn't have even been an issue, which I think it isn't. It's just the echo chamber of the internet leads to uh, you know leads to these kinds of things. But Google Map, you may have heard about them. They are they're one of the best services out there if you need to navigate the world. If you need directions to the airport, you're probably going to go to Google Maps. If you need to find a place to eat, you're probably going to find a Google Map with all the local Thai restaurants pinned to it. All that and more right there. And uh, I guess one part was really frustrating a certain group of people. And that's the fact that if you zoomed out, it had a more traditional map, you know, where you uh, like you kind of lay it out and maps would show an earth that was flattened, which wasn't really a problem. You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the way that maps have looked for a long time. But now we are officially moving into a day and age where we have a globe instead of a map just to drive the point home. So this coming, this coming to us from Engadget and Steve Dent saying that Google is finished thinking two-dimensionally with maps and now shows the Earth as a globe rather than a flat projection as before. So you won't notice the change when you first open the app, but if you zoom out far enough, you'll eventually get a moon's eye view of the world. And that means that you'll see a more realistic way to navigate the globe. Saying that with 3D globe mode on Google Maps desktop, Greenland projection is no longer the size of Africa. So, yeah, you know, and obviously the uh, the image that they use here for the article, uh, when things were stretched out over the entirety of the map, because, you know, things had to be stretched, uh, you know, to fit onto a uh, square surface, Greenland was the size of Africa, even though you can see now the representation, it is clearly much, 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 much smaller than the size of Africa. So it just adds a bit of realism and makes it look better, saying that the globe mode update is available on desktop and not mobile, but it works on all major browsers. Saying that the change brings maps more in line with Google Earth, which has always presented the world from that viewpoint. So, of course, it's, uh, hey, you know, not a lot to that. Luckily, I don't think there were any references to flat earthers, but I am glad to see that they have upgraded their software. It's pretty darn cool. So, again, Google Maps is just one of those services that I think everyone uses, and it's pretty cool when they actually put an update out for it. All right. We have talked about Amazon Alexa before. She has these things called skills just to bring you all up to speed. And these skills can do a number of things. Uh, the first skills were, hey, uh, well, I won't use the name in case anyone out there has one listening, but hey, digital assistant, order me a pizza. And yeah, so, and then, uh, uh, you know, and then whatever the digital assistant would then be able to order you a pizza. Not that hard. And so, these skills that can do a number of things, uh, people are able to program them. Companies are able to uh, upload their own skills for their customers to uh, to interact with. So if you make, like a, let's say, a webcam service, 
you can upload an Alexa uh, skill that your customers can then, you know, kind of tie in with your existing products. Point is, there's a lot of different skills out there. They said that, uh, they're saying that some people leave lights, music, or TV on while they're away to deter burglars, thinking that, hey, maybe someone's home. But a new Alexa skill called Away Mode has a different idea, saying that instead of lights and noises, you can keep your home safe from unwanted visitors by playing lengthy audio tracks that sound like real and completely ridiculous conversations. So in case you, you know, kind of want to deter burglars in your area, there you go. Saying that, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and by the way, uh, one of our guests in the chat room, uh, you know, four actually in the chat room mentioned local radio show was talking to a local tech company about Alexa and his wife was listening when he said over the radio, play artist here, and the music started playing in the house. That's why I always try to make it a point to never use uh, Google Homes or Alexa's or anyone else's automated uh, you know, commands is because I know that my voice would trigger them. And as fun as it would be to mess with all of you, uh, we're going to try to keep it professional here. So... With that being said, when you launch Away Mode, Alexa will play one of seven audio tracks penned as comedy writers from SNL, It's Always Sunny, and UCB. You know, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, one of my favorite shows, and I'm, I'm kind of excited about that one. I, I might have to check this one out. So the company doesn't have permission to share all the writers' names at this time, but it says that there were half a dozen involved, including Kristen Belka Mayer of It's, it's Always Sunny. So they said that uh, these include gems like couple has breakup while also trying to watch TV. Two average guys brainstorm what's unique about themselves so they can start a podcast about it. Emergency PTA meeting to discuss memes, fidget spinners, and other teen fads, and more. So they uh, they say that so all these obviously are not very serious conversations. If you listen to them, you are going to be amused. But all of them are about, you know, and they even give me some, uh, you know, they even, you know, in the article, they provide a lot of examples where, let's say, one of them would be a would be podcaster pitches his friend, okay, you know how much I love ketchup, right? And I guess that would be the start of the conversation for winning conversations. Anywho. They said that uh, the, this idea of this wacky skill comes from the folks of homeowners insurance startup Hippo Insurance, who are using it as a means of a frittle, uh, I'm sorry, as a little free advertising. Which, hey, you know, we're talking about it. That's something to, uh, you know, hey, that's something to mention. So they said that explains the company you can turn the volume up and leave your apartment, knowing that any potential burglar would will be scared off by thinking. Someone is at home who is absolutely insufferable. Absolutely. And uh, the tracks themselves are about an hour long. So away mode makes sense for those times you are out running errands, but can't take the place of things like uh, like timers that turn off and on lights while you're away for vacation. So this will not play continuously for a week straight. Let's say if you're leaving home for a week and you don't have anyone to house sit. Uh, this will not take the place of that. 
But if you're just out for a little while and you want that little bit of assurance, just having human voices in your apartment, this can help. So they said that uh, there are other burglar deterrent skills from from Alexa if you're interested in the general concept. Like, and uh, yeah, they said that, or those that play fake house alarms or have guard dog sounds coming from your Alexa. But, uh, but yeah, you know, you can download it, try it yourself. I think it's free again from an insurance company, but pretty darn cool. So let's see, let's see. see. All right. There's that story. We have time for maybe one, maybe two more before we say, have a good weekend. Let's talk about, (laughs) all right, this is pretty important. I find myself getting less sleep as time goes on. And I don't know if that's from, you know, situations happening in day-to-day life or whatnot, but one additional cause might just be the fact that I now have high-speed internet. Who knew? So there's an article out from Motherboard. They do a lot of great research. They are a subsidiary of Vice. And, you know, we're not going to be able to get to all of this, but I did like the headline and we're going to get into some of their data talking about uh, the title high speed internet is causing widespread sleep deprivation uh, study finds. And they said that this is a first of its kind study uh, establishes casual link between broadband internet and sleep deprivation. Now it's important to note that there can be a couple caveats with studies like these. Uh, we're going to find out how exactly they were performing these because just off the top of my head, how did they control for the fact that maybe those who suffer from chronic uh, sleep deprivation, how do we know that this isn't coming from some other effect? And internet usage is just something that they do casually uh, in the meantime. You know, I think like the amount of time that people surf the internet has increased to six hours a day on average. That's right. We're surfing the internet almost as much as we're supposed to be working. And I'm sure that there's a lot of overlap there as well. So we're going to figure out if they, you know, kind of accounted for that. But, yeah, new study claims that high-speed internet access is at least partly at fault. So they said that uh, – and they said that the, the new study published Friday in the Journal of Economic Behavior and Organization – never heard of that one – but and funded by the European Research Council – so there you go. It's not by big. Uh, it's not by big sleep. It's uh, the Europeans suggest that high-speed internet access is causing people to lose up to 25 minutes of sleep per night, compared to those without high-speed internet access. And they said that the so-called digitalization of the bedroom, so zeros and ones, saying that uh, defined by our inability to part with our phone, laptop, television before bed has always been linked to various sleep, sleeping disorders. The light from smartphones and computers suppresses the production of melatonin, which regulates our sleep cycle. And yeah, so even a single late night text, and you start to look at that blue, uh, you know, that blue emitting screen, that can cause your system can go, you know, to go out of whack. You know, you can get that sudden jolt of energy. And, of course, Internet addiction has been cited as a major cause of sleep deprivation. And they said that, but does the quality of the Internet connection also play a role? So, uh, you know, a couple things before we move on here. 
uh, if you've never heard of a pro or a program a service called uh, let me or I you know mess this up so there's a service that I recommend to everyone uh, who uses a desktop computer it's called f dot lux and you can find it at just gets flux.com and it's a way that you can tamp tamp down the amount of blue light that comes in through your monitor for your computer obviously computer america i assume i assume a lot of you are using computers and using them late at night so having this it naturally uh, i don't want to say it doesn't dim your monitor it reduces the amount of blue light, so everything kind of shifts over to the orange-red spectrum. And it's not really that noticeable. Uh, once you install it, you'll, you know, like you might notice it, but eventually it just kind of happens and you accept it. And when you do that, it helps you, you know, uh, less blue light lets you produce mel- more melatonin, and you're able to get your sleeping habits back in order. Uh, the one of the recent iPhone updates also gives you that feature, and you can find that in the brightness settings as well. Essentially, find a way to cut the amount of blue light from your devices. It's actually very harmful. Studies are still going on about this, but it's a pretty big effect on everyone's day to day. And uh, yeah, and yeah, I'm using three right now. Exactly. So f dot lux. So anyways, high speed internet uh, is there a problem? Again, so the question wasn't, do devices have or play a role in losing sleep? Because that's been established before. It's now the quality of the internet allowing you to do more things. Is that playing a role when it comes to people sticking to their phones? So to find out, a research team led, led by a, research, a professor at, uh, I'm sorry, a professor of demography, okay, they, uh, this happened in Germany, which has extensive survey data on the sleeping patterns and technology use of its citizens. And moreover, the country is also experiencing a massive economic loss due to sleep deprivation, about $60 billion a year. Germany is losing $60 billion a year in worker productivity because of sleep deprivation. Germany, take a nap. Good Lord. And has a well-documented telecom divide resulting in from the Civil War partition of the country, right? East versus West Germany, and yeah. So after the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, many regions in East Germany adopted optical access line technology, which ended up being incompatible with more widely adopted DSL technology. And they said that the distinction between uh, Opal and DSL are technical, but the important point is that they are incompatible. So as DSL became the favorite standard among high-speed internet, this posed significant barriers to broadband adoption in Eastern Europe. So Eastern Europe has significantly worse internet than Western Europe. That's the point. So you have two segments of a population in the same country that you can then monitor for, uh, you know, it's almost taking everything else into account and then just degrading internet service. And they have a nifty chart here showing, uh, you know, the hours of sleep that one would get. And by the way, you know, maybe about an hour, give or take. But overall, they say that with DSL access, so those with better internet, 
had consistently every single age group, every single category had less sleep. So more sleep deprivation than those without faster internet. There was never a time in any age group that showed, hey, you know, uh, internet speed didn't really make a difference. So as the the researchers found, high-speed internet access promotes excessive electronic media use, which has already been shown to have a detrimental effect on sleep duration and quality. So the effects of high-speed internet access were partially noticeable in younger age demographics. Folks, if you want better sleep, take the electronics out of the bedroom. And there's a lot of ways you can take that, but I'm not going to get into that. Folks, everyone out there, have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. The music means that we are about done here. Have a great weekend. Do something fun. And, hey, be sure to catch us here Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. to 5 Eastern. If you missed any part of today's show, check out the podcast, which is found anywhere and everywhere, including Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, and more. Hey, have a great one. Catch you here next time. Everyone in the chat room, thank you so much for joining us. And everyone listening on IRN, thank you so much as well. Have a great day. Bye-bye.